farming is an is an active, assertive, highly intelligent, utilizing people, processes, technology um, to drive predictable results. Right. To, and to drive predictable results in highly, highly complex variant systems. Why why aren't they our heroes, Mike? Why? Hello, everyone. This is Ellen, the producer of The Black Line Between Sales and Marketing, with Doug Davidoff, CEO of Imagine Business Development, and Mike Donnelly, CEO of Seven Cents. Let's get started. Welcome to this edition of The Black Line Podcast. Mike, I think the last time you and I talked, uh, the Caps were going into the Stanley Cup, which was following your, uh, your naysaying of that they were going to be eliminated by Tampa Bay. And uh, now DC is title town. We had a parade. The Capitals yep. are the defending Stanley cup champions. How about that? Exactly. In fact, uh, we, we had my son's um, end of year baseball party down at the park, right down the street from us. And Lars Eller lives uh, in our neighborhood and guess who showed up at, at the party. Lars Eller played basketball with the kids, played kickball, took pictures. I just, I, but, hockey, you know, professional hockey players of all the pro athletes that are out there, they just, they stand out. So my question is, did your son go swimming in the fountain in honor of the Capitals? <laughs> no, he did not. <sighs> uh, classic. Um, so, hey, what do you, so I, I thought we could chat. We, we were chatting last week and – you brought up a really interesting point that kind of flipped the way that I thought about myself as a sales rep for, for, for 13 years. Um, and what I mean by that is I, I always thought of myself as being a hunter. You know, you've got your hunters, you've got your farmers. And the old way of looking at that was farmers, you know, hey, I have a set of accounts. I'm just going to go figure out how to sell them more and more. And then the hunters are, we're all about opening up new business. Uh, hunters, succeeded far, you know, hunters were far more likely to succeed at startup organizations, companies that didn't have big brands. And then you just completely flipped, <laughs> you flipped my whole thought process about that completely just on its head. So I figured let, let, let's, let's chat a little bit about that. So, you know, it's, it, it's funny, the, the hunter farmer component, um, when did you get into sales, Mike? 2000. Oh, you're so two? 2002. You're so young. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you missed a whole recession. Yeah, no, well, I, I lived now through two recessions. I was a software engineer before that. So obviously I saw my company do a lot of layoffs and at one point our stock was worth $280. Then it went down to about, two dollars so you know were you at nextel no solar genomics because you pretty much just there you go that there you go hdsi was another good one yeah exactly yeah so so when i got into sales um in 1989 uh hunter farmer was like the big way people talked about sales people i remember even getting an interview doug are you a hunter or are you a farmer um and it was interesting because as we got into the aughts I'd stopped hearing it. I didn't hear Hunter Farmer in the early 2000s. Um, and then all of a sudden, 
probably about two or three years ago. I mean, I know it never disappeared totally, but about two or three years ago, it, it, it started coming back. And, and, and I, you know, I think a lot of it is because um, we get into this crazy uh, economy that we're in right now. Um, it, it, actually, I'm working on a blog post today, and I, and I, and I mentioned this, that, that a lot of what's happening in business today, it, it reminds me just so much of what it felt like in 2007 and 2008. Um, in, I remember in 2010, 2011, I was telling sales organizations that uh, just because the fish are jumping in your boat doesn't mean you're an angler. Um, and, and, and I see a lot, of, uh, a lot of businesses back to paddling their boats around their pond, looking for fish to jump in and then going back and saying, hey, look, look what I found. Um, and, and so things have been coming back up to this whole idea of, of, of hunter and farmer. And you and I were, were talking a little bit about that. And I was, I was kind of laughing at the, um, the, the idea that, that the hunter is still considered to be the, 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 the superior choice. Now, I want to emphasize here that what I'm talking about is more organizational than, than, it, than it is individual. And, and I actually think, you know, you said that hunters are much more likely to be successful at startup organizations. And I actually don't think that's true. I think that's a misstatement about, about a hunter. I think lone wolves are better at startup organizations. Lone wolves who do their own thing. They don't, um, they, you know, they like being out there on their own. Um, they like not having defined process, which is you need if you're a startup organization, you know, and, and so they thrive out on their own. And so we throw that term hunter on them. But, but, you know, as I think you, you kind of discovered when, 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 when we talked about it with yourself that, um, you know, maybe you were a little bit more evolved than that. Right. Which, you notice, I just kind of through through down the through down the gloves there a little bit and, and you know and again for the record I, I i used to um i was in the same place i was a hunter um and and so my, my my point is that um hunting well you hunt when you have to hunt right um as organizations get get um civilized they farm because farming is far more predictable um, you know, the, the problem, I mean, if you really think about it at the end of the day, here's what hunting does. And you know what, this is why now that I'm saying this out loud, this is why the whole, whole hunter, um, methodology has come back. You know what hunters are good for? Killing. <laughs> hunters are good for, um, giving you a chance to make up for a lack of, um, structure design and planning. If you don't have food tonight, if you haven't eaten in the last three days, a farmer's not going to do you a whole lot of good. You need food tonight. And so the hunter will go out and will, um, will, will kill and will bring back something to eat. And the farmer won't. Right. And, and the problem with the hunter is we get addicted to hunters. We get addicted to that, to that quick kill. Yet, Every measurement of, of how buyers buy, every aspect of what's happening in, in corporate America is consensus buying, longer sales cycles, more complex sales cycles, um, customers um, doing more of, and prospects doing more and more of their journey on their own. Um, 
all these things that are that are not conducive to a hunter mindset. And then what ends up happening, I think I think this is what um, this is what led the, the conversation is, you know, was, we were we were talking to somebody and and you remember we talked about lead activation syndrome um, yep. a couple podcasts ago and, and these guys had a bulging funnel and they had uh, oh my god they had lead constipation like you can't even imagine top of funnel constipation like you can't even imagine and 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 you know we put together a plan for them we laid it out um, you know we lost the piece of business and and here's why we lost the piece of business they said well you know what we 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 like everything you said and you know we definitely think that what you're what you're laying out makes a lot of sense. Um, but the thing is what, what we need right now are quick wins. Well, I think every business says that, you know, we need, we, we need, you know, we need quick wins or any emerging companies that, that, that's the mindset. Well, so, so when, when, when you're emerging, um, when, 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 when you're emerging, you need quick wins. Well, you know what? When you're emerging, I'm saying, that, I'm saying that's the mindset. No, no. Now, is that the correct mindset or not? Is is the question. You absolutely do need some quick wins, but at the on the back end of that, you also need to be thinking about building a predictable. No, in fairness, in, in 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 fairness, the company that I'm talking about was not an emerging company. The company I'm talking about is a forty million dollar company. Yeah. Right. So so. Um, but you know, when you're an emerging company, actually, I was I was going to disagree with you, and then I realized, no, actually, you're, you know, when you're an emerging company, you need quick wins, right? Because because um, you need revenue, right? Um, and and it's funny, <laughs> I got a whole bunch of thoughts coming in my head as, as as we're talking right now. You know, companies that go out and raise money, they don't take advantage of their raise, right? Because because they go out and they you know they spend it um, pursuing quick wins putting yeah. them in a position where they need quick wins. Cause, cause by the way, quick wins are expensive. Quick wins are highly, you know, they, they, they have a high transaction cost to them. There's, there's very, very little leverage in quick wins. And so that, you know, this is the battle cry of the company that's going to die a slow and painful death. Give me some quick wins and then we can focus on the long term, Right. And, and, um, and that is, that, that unfortunately is the mindset of, a lot of the business world. And like you said, there is a very high transaction cost because you know, we've talked about this a ton of times on previous podcasts. You and I talk about it where, Hey, if I'm, if I'm trying to go after the market, the, the entire market too soon and too fast, then what's going to happen is that that prospect that was not a good fit today because they're not an early adopter. They're already going to have a, a sense of what we do. And they're never going to come back. We're just never going to go, you know, we would have been better well served waiting for two years before we went and talked to that prospect. We would have had a much better, our product would have been more mature. You know, we, the, you know, processes would have been defined better, support organization, you know, more scaled out, et cetera. So there is a high transactional cost, not only for the deals that you're winning, but also the deals that, that you're losing or, you know, they, again, the deals that you're losing. Yeah. So, so the thing, the thing that I, uh, so I, I, I joke around a lot of times. Um, here's, here's something you'll never hear a farmer say. You, you'll never hear a farmer plant in, in March. So they plant on March 15th and then on March 17th, they go, where, where's the crop? Where, where, where's my ROI? 
Um, you know, a company comes in, they say, Hey, we want to build a market here. Um, we've got something great. We, we, we've established something. Well, that's like a farmer coming in saying, Hey, we like this field. Um, well, what, what, what's the first thing you have to do if you want to, if you want to grow a crop? Well, the first thing you got to do is you got to check is the field conducive to what you want to grow. And if it's not conducive to what you want to grow, can you make it conducive? Um, so you say, yeah, you know what? We, you know, this is a good field to focus on. It's not there yet, but Hey, we can get it at a lower total cost. Then we can, you know, so, so we'll work it for a year or two. Right. And we'll get it right. We'll get it ready to grow. Right. And we'll come in and, and, you know, we'll bring in some, some new topsoil. We'll till, we'll do a whole bunch of things that I have no idea what they are. Cause I'm not, um, I'm you're not a farmer, farmer, <laughs> like not, a real farmer. Partner, right. I, I don't know. Miracle grow. That's my definition. That's, that's great. <laughs> That's the problem. The honor goes out and says, I'm um, you know, so, so then, then they get the field ready, right? They know we have to, we have to have the field conducive. Um, they also know, by the way, that, that um, no matter how bad you want it, you probably shouldn't um, plant your seeds in December. Probably not a good idea. Right. Um, even if you blitz it, like they don't go, Hey, you know what? Let's just do this. Let's work double time. And, and we'll run a campaign and we'll do a contest for our field workers um, to get extra stuff out there. Um, no, they go, Hey, you know what? December's not the right time to do it. So, so they plant in March. Um, and then they, they continue to cultivate the land and, and modern farming, they, they identify, you know, are the seeds taking hold? Um, what are the weather conditions? Are there adjustments that we have to make? <clears throat> given what's going on is the root structure taking hold um, then the 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 corn begins to grow and 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 the first pop it comes out of the the land right we see the first little leaf that that, that pops out now <clears throat> if you were most sales organizations today you'd be like hey go close that thing quick let's take it to market right we'd be you know um cutting it um and and, you know, by the way, it's fascinating. You take a look at sports stadiums and sports stadiums have huge problems with their turf because they cut it so fine all the time that the roots never take hold. So they're always rebuilding their field. They're always re, you know, relaying turf and, and, and so forth, you know, which is very expensive, which is very expensive. Correct. Um, so, so then, you know, the farmers, they plant in the spring and they harvest in the fall. And in the and in the summer, they don't go. Where's my ROI? They 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 track what they're doing. And oh, by the way, when they harvest in the fall, do you know what they're paying great attention to? Next next year's crop. Yes. Because the way we harvest it is going to have a dramatic impact on is the soil and everything in even better shape for next year for a better crop. And, and, and even during the summer, even during the summer, they're always evaluating that stuff too. Like, Correct. How, Correct. you know, what can I, what can I learn from this growing season and apply it to next growing season so that I get a higher ROI. And, 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 and let's remember if I take a shortcut to revenue this year, it's going to cost me a hell of a lot more next year. Um, and, you know, another various costs, let's not burn our total addressable market, if you will. And, yeah. and so, you know, we think about it. And by the way, it's, it's kind of funny because the book that everyone jumped on board is called Predictable Revenue, right? That, that has inadvertently led to, to 
you know, the regrowth of this idea of, of, of hunter, 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 hunter. Um, yet hunting is not predictable. And, and by the way, here's the other thing that people forget about hunters, true hunters. They die. It's dangerous. It's a dangerous thing to do. Um, and, and you're so, only as good as your last meal too. So <laughs> yeah. And, and, and so we, we talk about, I mean, hunting is a, is a, and I don't mean to like, I'm, I'm obviously, I mean, this is an analogy or metaphor, whatever the case may be, you know, but hunting is a primitive approach to eating. Um, as, as societies mature, as businesses mature, so, so early on, you got to hunt, right? And then as you mature, if you're still relying on hunting like you were, well, well you're only going to get a percentage of, of the yield that you should get, and it's going to be at a lot higher cost, right? Um, and it's far less predictable. And, and you know what? You can't, I mean, there's things that you can do to make, to be smarter as a hunter, but, but it's still very skill based. It's, you can't really, um, I mean, you can't scale hunting, right? Yeah. But, but nor should you, right? The customer's gotten more complex. Um, I, you know, what, what's the hottest thing that people talk about? It's the hottest thing in marketing in the last three years, account-based marketing. Well, well, what is account-based marketing but farming? Now, that doesn't mean that I don't get out there and, 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 and get a conversation going and, you know, I've, I've got to be able to do those things, but I have to do it as part of a group, as part of a team, dealing with multiple people, multiple, you know, multiple organizations. And so I really think that it's time. Um, I think businesses would do, a, would, would do themselves a service if we just stopped well, I'd be good if we just stopped talking about hunting and farming. I think it's an overly simplistic way to look at at the sales approach. But but I but I think even more importantly, um, when we talk about building a business, um, the language that we use when we talk about that is extraordinarily important. Um, and I think we'd be much better off if if we. Um, maybe gave the farmer because we think of the farmer as the account manager. Yeah. Right. We think of the farmer as the customer service person who just does what they're told. No, that's not what farming is today. Right. Uh, farming is an, is an active, assertive, highly intelligence, utilizing people, processes, technology um, to drive predictable results. Right. To, and to drive predictable results in highly, highly complex variant systems. Why, why aren't they our heroes, Mike? Why? Because that's, uh, it, it seems, I don't know, maybe it's more, I mean, it's clearly, we have an old way of doing things. So there's this old methodology of hunters and farmers. And it's more, one, it's harder to find kind of that old hunter mentality or a perceived hunter mentality. Yeah. So why are we looking for it? It's hard to find. Yeah. Like I would understand it if it was, you know, well, you know, Doug, for every one good farmer I can find, I, I, I come across 10 awesome hunters. Okay. I, I get it. Right. Um, we keep, we keep, I mean, how many businesses have you seen 
that, that take um, farmers in disguise to, you know, and convince them that they're hunters. <laughs> right. You know, it, it, it's, it, it, I, you know, you know, I cross the line sometimes, Mike, you've seen, you've seen that from time to time. No, no, really? Um, yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, it's shocking. Um, the, you know, we, we, we have an opioid crisis in the U S yep. I, I, I think it's the same thing. I think hunting is a drug. I think that quick win is the drug. I think, I think we shortcut ourselves so many times in so many places in so many ways that, that we get ourselves. Um, I mean, I, I think that's why we're still um, hunting. If I can get a hunter, that's the Hail Mary, right? Yep. If I can get the hunter, they can go out, they can make it happen. They can make it rain. They can, they can do those things. Um, and then the lack of thought, the lack of planning, the lack of effort, the lack of discipline. Um, I was, before we got on, on the podcast, I was telling you a little bit about the, um, some modeling that we're doing for a client right now who's looking to launch um, more of a full-scale demand generation effort, including sales development. And one of the things I'm going to show them is it, if you started today, which, which would put the launch. So we're, we're talking at the end of June for those of you that are listening. Um, so if they were to start something today, um, first calls get made um, in September. So just pick September. Um, so I just said, you know, if the first call is made on September 1st and we have a good first month, which, which, by the way, is less than definitive. But if we have a good first month, you're looking at the first sale, predictably. You're looking at the first sale coming from that effort in October of 2019. So start first call September of 2018, first sale October 2019. How many businesses are willing to do that? And that's, you know, at the end of the day, that's how you build a predictable business. But the, well, part, part I think of, that's how you build an unpredictable business. In other words, I mean, both. Like, yes, that's how you build a predictable business. But, I mean, the, it, it, here's the thing that cracks me up. I'm sorry, I interrupted you. No, no, it's, So what I was going to say is part of the problem is the reward system. Which is a whole other whole area of discussion, which is, um, you know, everybody's be, everybody is compensated on a, I mean, more and more in the SaaS world, it's on a monthly basis. Executives, if they don't, you know, sales executives, and I'm talking about VPs, directors, et cetera, but if they're not producing within a year, they're, they're typically going to get axed as part of the kind of reward system. You know, we say that all the time. I see it all the time. Because I still have a lot of friends in the tech industry that, what one of the comments that me and a bunch of friends that have, that have all been successful in the tech industry talk about is, don't ever be the first sales rep at a new startup. 
as great as the technology might be, you know, be the second one in the door. But I'm not, I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about the new startup. Uh, you know, yeah, but even the reward, the reward systems at mid to even large enterprises are all monthly, quarterly, you know, it's, it's very much monthly, quarterly driven. And even the executives there, you don't hit your number, you're out. So, so here's the thing. Well, I'm going to say again, I, I know that that's true in some places, um, but I still see a whole lot of people. Uh, uh, serious Decisions just came out with their 2018 um chief sales officer survey, less than 50% of salespeople are hitting quota. Yeah. We're not, we're not seeing massive turnover. I mean, people keep missing their number and, and I'm, yes, some of them get fired, but do they get fired at the rate that we talk about them getting fired? I, I, I think we, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't see it. I, I, I don't know. In my world, I see it. Okay. On the tech side, like t- typically, you've got twelve to eighteen months to prove yourself. Otherwise, why do you otherwise you're out. Twelve to eighteen months to prove yourself? Because I have a theory on that. I have a theory why they get fired if they get fired. I think it's a multitude of things. Where, hey, some some reps are actually going to do the right thing and go till the soil plant their seeds. They know it's going to take a while. They're not just focused on a quick win. And then they have a very hard explain, very hard conversation or way of explaining that to their, to their leadership team. I think that's, you know, that's part well, of the problem. Again, everybody's under just well, again, unbelievable stress to, to deliver. Again, I, I just want to emphasize, I'm, I'm not, I'm not geared at the frontline salesperson. I'm, I'm talking about the sales executive. I'm talking about that senior sales executive. Yeah, right. So, so here's my thing. So the one who does it the right way, when do they have that conversation with management about why it's taking longer? When do they have that conversation? The good ones, I think, have it, have it regularly. Do they have it before they start? No. Yeah, see, that's why I think. See, I think they come in and they say, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. If, if I came in and I said, look, this is how long it's going to take. Right. Right. So, so what we do is we come in and we, we do one of two things. We, we concede on the expectations because we know not what we do. Or we think, okay, I'll give the expectations. Then when I'm in there, um, then, then I'll sell, you know, for length, if you will. Or uh, I'm looking at the, the package that they're giving me and, and, and to tell you that what you're looking for isn't realistic. And here is the realistic way, uh, you know, so, so they come in with the expectation that they're going to hit their numbers in three to six months. Um, and, and they never deal with the problem. Yeah. Right. Um, what, what I was going to say is the funny thing, because we were talking about predictable versus unpredictable or, or not. And, and what, what, what's funny is, The fast, this is, uh, I don't, this is where I've been on a, uh, on a big kick about speed versus velocity. We're so focused on speed. How fast are we going that no one thinks about velocity, right? And so we got a whole bunch of hares running races. 
And I am telling you, man, the person who is going to walk away with all of the money is going to be the tortoise. Because the tortoise is going to let all those hairs run around and steams, you know, pull shit up. Shake up the market. <laughs> and then they're going to kind of walk. I mean, by the way, that's all Jeff Bezos does. Yeah. Right? I mean, for, for all of the, you know, talk, you know, he just, I mean, how many years was he told, this is stupid, this business is not sustainable, this is, um, I feel bad for Henry Blodgett, because Blodgett was the guy, he, Blodgett's the guy actually who runs, um, who runs Business Insider, he got fired from, uh, from um, Merrill Lynch because of some stuff he did uh, related to, to internet stocks and, and, and how he analyzed them. But he was the first guy, he was actually at, at some, I think it was at Prudential, he was the first guy to put a $300 price target on, on Amazon. Um, and then they hit the target. He got hired by Merrill, then Amazon blew you know, and, yeah, yeah. and now, you know, he was the guy like 25 years ago who saw what, um, what Amazon was going to do. And they're the, you know, they're the tortoise. You, you know who else is the tortoise in financial services? Fidelity. Fidelity is the tortoise, man. You don't hear about them. They don't get all the news, but you know, Ned Johnson, he walks home with so much. Do you know that, that Fidelity, at least as of five years ago, Fidelity had um, like 50% of the, of the 401k market and 90% wow. of the profit. Interesting. Because, because while everyone was running for the quick money, he, but now by the way, he lost money on the 401k business for 10 years. Because he built a superior platform and he's like, you know, he was playing the long game. And so we have everybody jumping in, trying to, you know, hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, we'll, we'll worry about 12 to 18 months. You know, once things really get working, we'll worry about 12 to 18 months. Go back to our story on Lyft. That never happens. And then they jump around burning themselves to, to you know, into a tizzy. And they don't get there any faster. I mean, Mike, Mike, listen to this. this, this they, they, they may get to a certain, they may get to a certain stage fast, but then they just literally hit a, you know, hit a roadblock. So, so Mike, l l listen to these numbers. Fewer than 50% of sales reps are hitting quota. At 70% of companies, fewer than 70% of sales reps are hitting quota. Marketing is contributing less than 25% to revenue. This is after five to 10 years of, of modern marketing and demand generation. Sales cycles are longer at 64% of companies, 27% seeing an increase of more than 30% in the last year. Um, and for the typical company, sales reps spend just 27% of their time on direct activities involved selling to customers or prospects. Ready for this? Higher growth companies reported that number 53% higher. Sounds good because you think it's 53%. No, 53% higher. No. Which means it's still only 41% of the, at the best organization, salespeople spend 41% of their time to sell. Yeah. And, and here's my question. How many years have we been talking about data like this? And you know what? 10 years ago, the number was 70% of sales reps were hitting quota. And the number was sales reps were spending 50% of their time. Right? And for all of this, you know, thousands of dollars per rep on average spent on technology. More blogs written than, than should exist. I, I think more blogs get written every six months 
that existed in the history of the world of information up to that point, right? I mean, yep. we have this, you know, the, 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 this insanity of, of demand generation content and all this. And, and what are we seeing? We're seeing everything get worse, right? And, and, and why? Well, well, because you know what? When it doesn't matter if you're addicted to the drug, you ain't going to get healthy. Yep. Right. And, and so I had a coach early on and, you know, he, um, he, he showed me something and he said, he basically showed me that if I was serious about what I wanted to do it was a three year journey. And he said, if you, he said, Doug, if you try to cut it from three years, ain't going to happen. And by the way, three years, if you're good, and he said, but here's the question. Here's the question you got to ask yourself. Are you going to be here in three years? Cause you got to do something for the next three years. If you got to do something for the next three years, you might as well do something that's going to make you be where you want to be in three years and, yep. and, and realize and accept that. And, and so that, again, that, that's why I think we've got to put the farmer, we've got to start talking about the farm. We need the farming council of America to come into the sales world, <laughs> this world. and stand, you know, and stand up and stop, and stop letting the, the, the hunter, um, because you know what? What does a farmer have to do? He has to be able to work in a team, right? Um, a farmer hat. A farmer knows. I, you know what I did? I, I I had a hobby one time. Oh really? I had a hobby one time. I had this hobby one time. Um, I I brewed beer. I brewed one set of beer. I had one brew. It was it was that bad, huh? You know the the thing that made it really bad was i had no idea what was involved in cleaning up after you had the after the, i mean that was horrible like, cleaning the lines all that and and and, and, the, and the keg and you know the the, the formatting right. whatever uh, the, the truth is we never actually cleaned it. i just ended up throwing i think about two years later as it was growing <laughs> out of there, we finally just took it to the dump um but but i i, I did it because i thought it would be interesting and it was to do something that was totally outside how I think, you know, you know me, how, how can we do three steps in one step? What's the, um, Hey, I'm not going to work harder. I'm going to work smarter. Or another myth of the battle cry of the hunter. I'm going to work smarter, not harder. Um, and, and what I, you know, what, what you learn when you're brewing beer is yeah, there's no shortcut. In it. <laughs> It's going to ferment in the time that it ferments. And if you try to speed it up, somebody else can, dr can drink it, right? Yeah. You know, so, so, so you learn those things. Um, and, and we keep getting businesses out there and salespeople and, and everything else driving in there trying to um, – they're, they're trying to shortcut gravity. And, and here's my question. Does it work? I, I don't, I don't think it ever does. I, 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 yeah, I, I don't think so. And that's where the, a little bit of the revelation came to me, which was, Hey, when I was an enterprise tech, while I was an early stage employee for every single tech company that I worked for, and I was an early stage salesperson at the end of the day, I was, I was more of a farmer than a hunter. Yeah. I, I loved quick wins, things like that, but that's not where I didn't wake up every day and say, how am I going to get a quick win? What I was thinking about was, how am I going to get this win at this big enterprise customer 
six months, nine months, 12 months, 24 months from now. And if I do all of those things right, every so often, I might get a quick win. You know why I realized I couldn't stay being a hunter? You're going to tell me. <laughs> I'm, I'm too lazy. You have to... uh, I don't, but I don't think, I don't think it's lazy. I think it's. No, you I'm saying I'm too lazy to be a hunter. Uh, see, un unpack that a little bit more and then maybe we'll. See, what I know, what I learned a long time ago is if I put a whole lot of work in up front, I can, I can build this thing that will produce, like if, if I get the field in alignment to how it works, then, then, I mean, I can't, I can't, you know, take the next 10 years off or anything, but I don't have to, like every day doesn't have to be the hustle. I mean, what's driving growth today? If you are hustling like a, you know what, and, and, you know, you're in a startup phase, you, you, you know what it's like, right? I mean, you're, you're in that hustle, but is, is that sustainable or, or is the hustle getting invested in something that, that that's going to produce momentum? It's going to produce velocity so that, so that you can, well, let me ask you this. Are you operating at a pace that you could sustain yourself for the next 10 years? The, no, I'm not. I, absolutely not. I'd, I'd, I'd be lying if I said I was. Right. However, a big part of my mindset is, hey, I, I, I can't rely on quick wins because the business is not sustainable with quick wins. So. Right. Everything that I do, yeah, early on, it was all one-offs. One-off, 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 one-off. You, oh, you want a discount? Okay, you want this. I would do anything to close a deal to get that quick win, to get that, you know, that drug or that, that high in me. But now it's, I, I turn down things all the time, like just saying, hey, I'm not going to force this person. I'm not going to make something unnatural happen if I don't have to. Because I'm going to need business in three, six, nine, twelve months, and the more that I can do that, the more predictable the business becomes. Now, the advantage that I have is I don't have VC backing, so I don't have some VC saying, "Hey, you need to produce a return in the next three to five years," like a 10x, 20x, 30x return. So I can really think about the business in a little bit more of a long-term fashion than some VC-backed companies can. See, I don't, I don't, I mean, I, I, I was calling on that, you know, the question for you is, you know, how, how, how did, how do you take a unit of effort down and still get the unit, the, the unit of output? How, how do you get that to increase that? That's yeah. what, um, but see, I, I think that, I think we make it too easy to blame it on, on external on forces. Budget. No, yeah, no, no, right. Yeah. I mean, you're the one, like, if I went out and raised capital, it's that I'm the one that went out and raised capital, so. And look, I, again, and that, I, that, that gives me the opportunity to, to not put really good processes in place. You just, I think you can be lazier. No, so you're misunderstanding my lazy, my, my, my point is that, well, you, you, you've heard me talk about it, and, and Lord knows HubSpot talks about it more than I do. Um, our, our, our number one producer of, of inbound leads 
is a piece of content I did five years ago. Mm-hmm. I, I don't have to, I don't have to create, I don't, I, you know, I don't do anything and it continues to, to generate. Yeah, right. Yeah. right? Um, if I was, you know, that, that's farming, right? I, I, I built the plan. I built an asset that, that, that I mean, the beautiful thing about that asset is I get to keep taking from that asset and the asset and I don't diminish the asset. Yeah. But, but if I had looked at it, um, and you know, and, and six months in gone, okay, well, for, if I were to add up all the time and this and this and this, where's the, you know, where, where, where's the cell? Um, you mean, think about this. And I know you and I have talked about this before, but, um, you know, take a look at the companies that have gone public. Um, I mean, so these are the successes, right? These are the people that they funded, they unicorned it. Take a look at how much of the company the founders still own. Most of them are getting nothing. Yeah. And they're the successful ones, right? And, and so. But the question is, are those businesses truly successful? I mean, you've got Tintree, who's in the tech space. They raised 250 million bucks. Guess what? They're just about to get delisted from the NASDAQ. Their stock is worth well, I'm 16. Talking about, I'm talking about. And guess what? The founders made shit. They made nothing. They put 10 years into that company and they made nothing. Whereas the VCs made a bunch of money. Right. But I, you know, um, you know, even, even companies that, that I'm just saying that, that my, 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 my point is what, what we need to be doing is thinking about progress, not speed, right? Where do we need to be? And, and, and so, so it's actually one of the things I'm writing about in this blog post today is what, what we're seeing is higher threshold risk, right? We're seeing companies if they bust their ass, if they hustle, if they work, you know, um, they hire people, you put stuff in, you're, you're getting growth. And, and it is probably easier than ever before as a business to become a $10 million business today. Probably easier than ever. Um, but you take a look at $10 million businesses today, you take a look at $100 million, $100 million businesses, they're probably less stable than they've ever been before. And, and, and what's happened is because we're still stuck on this addiction to, you know, this hunter addiction, this quick win piece that, that we're, we're getting to higher and higher threshold risk, um, which, which means um, we're stagnating, um, we're, our, you know, our sustainability is being threatened more than ever before, we're, we're being forced to, um, to give up equity to be able to, you know, to be able to continue to survive you know, in, in, in any number of these things. And if we just realize that, you know, an 18 month journey, I had another, I had another coach who told me, uh, he said, Doug, if you brought nine of the most amazing women, hardest workers, hustle, the whole thing, if you brought them all together, it would still take nine months to make a baby, right? You're not going to short circuit it. Right. I, I talk to people when they're, when they get new in business, somebody who starts in sales, I ask them, how long is it going to take you to get a year's experience? You know what cracks me up? You know what the number one answer is? Hmm. If I work really hard, I think I can get it in two to three months. And you know what I tell them? I said, no, in two to three months, you'll have two to three months experience. It takes a year to get a year's experience. And, and when you look at it, I mean, first off, remember going back to our podcast with, with Steve P right? Yeah, These people yep. buy once every three to five years. That's what they do. They buy once every three to five years. You're not going to change it. Now, what you can do is you can hustle, 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 looking for the quick win. 
And you know what all the quick win does is? Is it gets you the person who happened to be buying at that time anyways. Yeah. You deceive yourself. And, and by the way, what I've learned is if you take the, the long-term approach, you still get that person. Right? And, and so what ends up happening is we, if you're lucky, it takes a year to get a year's experience. Because you, you, can't, you can't get it any faster than a year. The problem is most people take three years to get a year's experience. Right. And, 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 and the reason that they take, take three years to get a year's experience is because they, they fight, they, they, they fight reality. Right. And, and so like, I've had to do something, right. I've had to change the model for imagine because I realized my, you know, I, I, I used to talk about, five to eight year lifetime. You know, if we do this right, we're going to have five to eight years of lifetime with clients at least because why would anybody ever? And here's what I come to realize. Yeah. One every now and then gets to five, six, seven years. It's awesome. It's a lot of fun. Most of them don't for any number of reasons. So I, I kept realizing that I kept, I kept pursuing this, this thing that wasn't real. And I finally said, I mean, I had an argument with a company like, no, 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 no. I think you've got our average wrong, our average client size wrong. I'm like, no, you're doing this much revenue right now. You have this many clients. You've been in business for 10 years, right? That's the average, right? You, you, can, you can one-off explain it all you want. Let's just accept that, right? And then let's build a plan. Um, the, what, what's funny is, if you do that, but do you, do you think so part, of, part of the problem is people have a pro problem accepting reality? Here's the thing I learned of 10 businesses that, that are balls to the wall committed to success. How many of them are going to be successful? Maybe one, two, two at most. Right. So it, it, it strikes me that if, if you take the path that most people take, you'll end up in the eight to nine, not the one to two. Yeah. Right. Why, why did Brian Halligan and Dharma Shaw raise money and give up 85, 90% of their company? Because they realized they had to. If they were going to yeah. play this game, that's what they were going to have to do. So, you know, one of the places where I think HubSpot was really smart about their growth was they accepted what their journey was from the beginning and they accepted what they were going to need to do and they didn't try to short circuit it. Right. And they, and even then, you know, even they barely made it. If, if you really take a look at everything, they barely made it. And, and one could argue have they actually made it yet or not. Um, though they are worth more than $5 billion now. So they got that going for them. Um, so, so again, yeah, that, that, the, the, the thing that I would leave people with today, I don't know where else you want to take this, but the thing I would leave people with today is um, go ahead and hunt, but have a farmer's mindset, right? Realize that, that you've got to do the things that you've got to do. Things take time. Give them the time that they take. Um, and, and I think what will happen at the end is you'll actually, you'll yield a whole lot more and you'll be a whole lot less exhausted. Agree completely. I mean, that's, again, that's the, the approach that we we're just continuing to focus on, you know, here, here with our business.